so Alex was the one that, that pointed you out and wanted to make sure that we connect. And so I've been looking through the Evolution Hockey website. I think it's really great what you guys are doing. Actually quite impressed with the amount of coaches that you've got. The business, as far as I can tell, seems to be doing great. So just curious, I think a good way to get started usually on a, on a conversation like this is just kind of what is a day in the life look like for you running this business, running Evolution Hockey? Oh man, that's, uh, don't know where to start day in the life. Um, well, I'm up early. I'm up anywhere between like 4.40 and 5.00 AM. Um, I got a little morning routine that I like to go through for myself personally. Um, once I get that done, I'm out the door, I go to the gym. Um, I either lift, I swim, play tennis, squash, uh, yeah, do something like that in the morning. And then, uh, after that, um, it's usually around 8 a.m. by that time and then kind of flip open the phone and see what's going on. Um, whether I have to check in with our managers or any of our coaches or I might get a message from one of our players that we work with. Um, you know, sometimes I'm at this point, I'm flipping open coach now if, if there's nothing really coming in that's uh, of serious of note for um, things that I need to set up for the day with our staff or anything like that. Um, and yeah, usually I got a bunch of messages from players or some of our other coaches that put a message on our players coach now accounts that I'll check in on and just see if there's anything that I want to add my two cents in there or uh, help answer any questions or anything like that. And then uh, kind of just go with the day. Um, sometimes I'm on the ice uh, in the mornings after I, I work out or sometimes I'm on the ice uh, early evenings. Um, and then so I do a lot of scouting as well. So sometimes there's uh, games mm. in the evening that I'll, I'll go and check out. Um, but yeah, during the days, generally just kind of, um, you know, coach our coaches, coach our players, do a lot of clipping of video. So I, I watch a ton of NHL games. I, I have some NHL clients mm. that I track very closely and Western League clients, uh, NCAA clients that I track and watch their games, see how things are going. I might um, send them a couple things that I see that maybe they need to work on a little bit more or some things that I clip I keep to myself and I'll use it for off season when I see them when they come in for one-on-one. So um when when a hockey player comes in, it's you know a little bit different than than a golfer. It's you're probably only working with just that one person. But when it's uh, when it's a team, oftentimes in off season training, it's the whole team on the ice or uh, anywhere yep. from ten to fifteen skaters on the ice. But um, what I do during the season when I'm tracking them, uh, when that player comes back to see me, we get on the ice just one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two and we work on the things uh, exactly what they need to work on, not what everybody else needs to work on. So yep. during my day, it's, uh, yeah, just kind of a lot of planning ahead and a lot of clipping video, a lot of watching watching video. So that's kind of my best way to put a day, day in the life. Every day is, yeah, every day yeah, is a little it. bit different. Um, yeah, but that's kind of generally what, what my days are like. That's awesome. No, it's a great way to start. And it kind of leads me into asking some more questions here. That's perfect. Yeah, cool. So when I, when I look at the way you're presenting evolution hockey, what I really like about it, and hopefully I'm correct in assessing this is you're really hammering the skills side of things. And that, that message seems to come through to me because I think that's where coach now really shines is helping coaches like yourselves help individual athletes or small groups of athletes around their skills. It's not really around game film analysis and set pieces and things like that. It's more about the skill side. So curious yeah. how you 
landed on that, how you've built a business around it, how you've hired coaches. I know that's a big question, but maybe we can start with how you found your way in or kind of landed in this niche of, of the skill side of hockey. Um, timing is always a factor and, uh, passion and love, I guess, is a factor as well. Um, I guess rewind to the beginning after I, I played hockey at five years at the university of Manitoba. And after I graduated, got my degree, it was like, okay, well now what, what's next? I've, uh, mm -hmm. two younger brothers and they were kind of at the age of hockey where them and their buddies were starting to work out. So I actually started my business doing all off ice training. So like strength and conditioning, lifting weights, working out, all that kind of Got stuff. It. And, okay. Um, I had about 12 guys between my brothers and a couple of their buddies and teammates. And then that quickly grew to, you know, having over 50 athletes and, and working with all wow. of them. And um, that eventually got to a point where it kind of, I don't want to say run its course, but I was never formally trained in the kinesiology. I did kind of all my own learning and certifications on my own. So I was never going to like be able to climb to any kind of professional team or any kind of level like that. Right. Just because like I sports science that. or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't have that background. Um, I was all kind of just like self-educated. And when I was a player, um, I, I was very skilled and uh, I really prided myself on my conditioning and, and how good of shape I was in. And uh, so naturally I just learned a lot about how to, how to do it, how to, how to teach it. Not all like kind of the fluff in all the university courses sure. and nothing against the courses or anything, but like, I just wanted to know what worked, why, and, and how I can apply it. Yeah. And so anyways, um, after I, after I finished as a player, I was asked to stay on with the team as an assistant coach. So I was uh, doing workouts with the University of Manitoba in the gym and I'd be on the ice with the guys working on, you know, just some little skills. I was always a skilled, creative playmaking player. And so uh, I just, I had that ability and um, the things that I was working on with the guys, they seemed to really like it and asking for more. And I started researching that a little bit more and kind of figured out, okay, well, nothing like this is going on anywhere. And, uh, you know, one thing kind of just kept leading to another and more and more people were asking for on ice stuff, um, on ice skill development, liked what I was doing. And, uh, during that time, um, hockey Canada decided to offer a skills coaches, uh, certification that's never been done before. So I applied oh, for cool. that. Okay. Um, yeah, I applied for that. There was, uh, in the first year, I think there was a hundred people that applied coast to coast. And I think they let 16 of us in something like that. And so went through that kind of process. And then I became the, the first hockey Canada certified skills coach, which was, uh, which was pretty interesting. Wow. And then the, and the on ice stuff that? kind of, just, oh man, everything kind of just blends for me for time. I want to say maybe like six, seven years ago, something, something like okay, that. Okay. But relatively, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of how new this program is. And that's really new yeah. for, for being, yeah. for how popular hockey is obviously in, in Canada. To, to yeah. They kind of just, that is a big deal. Yeah. They kind of just said like, well, anyone can just start a hockey camp with like no anything. And so they're like, okay, let's right. start to try and train and certified guys so that we can hopefully direct people to go to these programs that have been trained by us or certified by us. Um, yeah. Things like that. And then, yeah, so that things just kept getting busier on the ice. And uh, I have some, 
some good coaches that we refer to for off the ice. And it was just kind of time to merge the, or transfer the business from all off ice to all on ice. And, uh, basically just refer and sub out to all of our off ice training now. Um, and then it was just me, uh, doing the on ice stuff. And then, uh, had a couple employees or part-time coaches and then that led into full-time and both my brothers getting involved and um, players that had went through my program that turned pro and played a little bit of pro and um, retired from that. They wanted to get into coaching. So kind of just kept growing and expanding. And yeah. um, I always had the vision of uh, like helping out at the grassroots level um, for many different reasons. N n number one, I mean, that's, th that's where the most players are. And, uh, number right. two, um, if you can help people right from day one, your, your long-term effect on that player is going to be far greater than when you get them at 16, 17 years old, where they likely already have bad movement habits or things like that. So, um, yep. I got involved with a couple hockey associations, um, where I was working with, with them. I mean, there'd be about 400 or so kids that were kind of, I wouldn't directly be working with every single one of them, but within that whole association. So I'd be coaching the coaches um, on how to teach skills better, how to train um, skating a little bit better, puck control better. Um, and then things just kept progressing. We got involved with a couple school programs where instead of kids going to just your normal, regular phys ed class, they could come to our program, which was hockey. Um, I'm sure wow. there's a lot of things like that going on in the States. Um, yeah, and it just kept kept growing from there. At the end of the day, I just try and wake up and get a little bit better and try and make people better. And um, it all kind of works out. <laughs> and more people want to keep training with us and um, kind of getting into uh, the environment that we created. And now a lot of it, like I kind of mentioned earlier in my day-to-day, -day, is like coaching our coaches and, and trying to be there for them as best as I can when when they have questions or they want to learn or if I, I send them clips or we want to talk about just anything, how to be a better coach, how to run things a little bit better, share ideas. Cause I learned from them as well. Yeah. It's not, I'm not the, I'm not the expert. I don't have all the answers. I'm trying to learn all the time too. And, um, I learned from our coaches as well. So it's, uh, that, that's a lot of my time and job now. And the, the more people that I can help make better that are coaches, the more players that ultimately get better the way I kind of look at it. I forget someone said this in one of the coaching clinics that I went to, and it really stuck with me that like I can coach 20 players or I can coach 20 coaches who coach 20 players. And that's uh that's a exactly pretty significant right. yeah. impact. So um, yeah. So that's kind of where, where our business is at now. And um, some other things have come from that as well. But. Now that's, that's beautiful. There's a lot to unpack there, Riley. A ton. So there's some good stuff in there for to kind of tease out for people listening to this because they're coaches <laughs> and trainers and there's a lot to learn from somebody like yourself that just kind of had a snowball, it sounds like. I'm sure there was some very tactical positioning and moving along the way, yeah. but some of it's just good timing, as you've said, and things just work out. You just get busy and you can't handle it. So there's a lot to talk about there. I think the thing that you kind of wrapped up with, though, is, is near and dear to my heart, which is why I even created Coach Now. It's like, well, I could help a lot of athletes, sure, but there's only so many I can. What if we could help a lot of coaches help those athletes in all the different sports all around the world, right? That's kind of yeah. generally the mission statement here. Now, it goes a little further for me is that I'm really passionate about the business side of coaching and making sure guys like yourself can have at least the tools and some education if they need it to make sure they're not burning out. They're not just exchanging time for money, especially. That's, that's the one that really kills me. 
um, and they have a successful business and lifestyle. That's the hope. So it sounds like you've got a lot of really positive things going. Maybe as, as we kind of circle back a little bit into the beginning of hiring people, it sounds like it was a really organic process, but for a lot of coaches listening, it's real scary. Like they freak out trying to hire somebody. So mm-hmm. if you can think back to that time and you're making those decisions, it sounded like these coaches were starting very part-time. Then as, as the demand grew, you brought them on full-time. Could you kind of just walk through the decision process, the mechanics of hiring people and how you've maybe continued to add to the team? Cause that's a real sticking point for a lot of coaches and academies. Yeah. Great, great question. Great point. I will rewind a little bit too, that like I have turned yeah. down a lot of, a lot of work. And I think that's part of the that's important. growth factor. That's it's important yeah. because um, I want to make sure that we're doing a good job. That's more important to me than to yeah. make the extra, you know, whatever by taking on a client or a program yep. or something. Um, because if, if you, you know, do a, do a bad job, then, I mean, word travels, this is a relationship business and a lot of it is word of mouth. We, we actually don't advertise. We don't, I haven't spent any money on advertising. So, um, it's all that's word of music mouth. to my ears. Cause that's what I mostly tell every coach to like. Yeah. Happy people bring you more happy people and you don't need to advertise as long as you focus on retention. Like retention is the big one. Yeah. And I mean, we don't, I mean, that's a, that's a great word. We don't even use really any words. It's just like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't, you, know, like just, you just do a good job and it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. And, exactly. uh, and so like when, when you're hiring people and I, again, kind of going back, I didn't want to name it our company Riley due to our coaching or Riley's coaching or anything like yep. that because you shouldn't, I believe. I, yep. Because I'm looking down the line and thinking, okay, like is any everyone only gonna think about me where it's not about me. It's there's a lot of great coaches out there. And if I can if I can attract coaches that like our model, our philosophy, our system, our environment, our culture, everything that we've kind of built and created and if we can get good coaches that want to be in our program it, it really shouldn't be about me at all and if, if you've been on our website like i don't even know what Agreed. my job title it's nothing like it's nothing fancy well, and I'm on kind one of part it says player development development. another part it says founder so yeah i totally yeah. i totally agree anytime coaches come to me and say what should i do or what should i name it i said well don't name it after yourself if you can yeah. avoid it unless you're super famous and everybody just wants to come to see you but most of the time that's yeah. not the case. Which is, yeah, it's, but like now kind of where I'm at is like, there's almost a personal brand for me as well, where like, like the True. NHL guys will want to reach out to, to me. Like they're, they don't even know what my business name is probably. They, they just know my name. Yep. Um, and so like, there's kind of that personal brand of it and like different teams, whether it's, you know, in the Western league or in the USHL or, or down South that, you know, want, want to work with, with me, they don't, probably don't even know the name of our business. It's they've heard my name or what, whatever it is. When but. the NHL guys and the, the, the really advanced players are reaching out and we'll, we'll get back to the hiring. Cause I just want to pick at this a little bit. What specifically yeah. is your niche? Like what is making you such a high demand person in, in that, in that sphere? One, I think I have a very unique way of seeing the game. Like I was a very creative skilled hockey player and that's the way I kind of view the game. It's not really that it's systematical or anything like that. And so the, the little things that I think are just kind of normal to me, they, they seem to really like, oh, I didn't think of it that way or, oh, I didn't notice that. And mm. just those little things that might make a massive, massive difference on, on someone's deal. 
like for example, I, I won't name names or anything, but when a play, and it's not just because of me. I want to be very clear that I, I'm part of the process. The the player puts in the work and the time, and they apply the things that I'm teaching them. Someone else is teaching them. So credit to the player. I'm just part of the process. But when they started with me, they were they were in the NHL making uh, I think just under three million bucks, and they just signed a, an eight year deal for over fifty million dollars. So they you put wow. a little bit of you put a little bit of time and effort and energy into developing your own game and focusing on you, um, you know, they're going to reap financial rewards from that. And um, so when you ask like what makes me unique is like the little things that I've noticed in this player's game that we've worked on that they wouldn't have known on their own and uh, go out there and hammering it and hammering it. From a statistic standpoint, Riley, from a statistic standpoint, does it result in more assists, more goals? And forgive me, I'm I'm no hockey expert. So, what is the stats that it results in that warrants the the larger contract, as an example, right? Because there's so those performance are, on the yeah, ice those, that gets you somewhere. Yeah, those are kind of the those are kind of like the general fan statistics, like the goals, assists. Um, but yeah. like the the very important ones would be. Um, like zone exits, how often when you're on the ice, can you go back and get the puck and get it out of your zone? How often when uh, you're okay. on the ice, does the other team enter the zone with possession of the puck? How often do you get shots towards the net? How often, like all those little things yeah. make a massive difference in a game that the average fan would, would never know. But a, a coach is like, I got to put this guy on the ice because every time he's on the ice, he's able to get the puck and get it out of the zone. And if the puck's not in your zone, he's involved in the plays. He's off. he's moving moving things up and back, and he's yep. showing well, more impact in the overall back. game. It sounds like, yeah, you got it. Or for like a, a first round NHL draft pick, they're projecting him down the line, so like they they see a package of somebody of um, okay, this guy's six foot four. This guy moves really well. Um, in three years, maybe he's ready to step into our our team. And so my job is. Okay, I got to look at what this guy's attributes are. I got to look at where his strengths are. How do we make those strengths even better? Because he's he got here for a reason or he got noticed, drafted for a reason. We got to make those even better. And where are some of the areas that are he's a little bit deficient in? And we're not going to make those deficiencies all of a sudden his strengths. But if we can clean right. those up a little bit and maybe make them not as weak, um, I want to focus on what they're good at because that's what they're going to continue to be good at. And so I, I like to look for high frequency plays. What happens most for you in a game? We're going to work on those, just making you very, very uh, efficient at at all of those movements. So yeah, that's answer yep. your question. But back, to, do you want me to get back to the hiring or the original? Yeah, but I think request? it's an, I think it's important because anybody listening to this, right? There's this blend as you grow your business of your. I struggle with it here at Coach Now, right? There's the Coach Now brand. There's the Spencer brand. So that's why I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit because a lot of coaches are struggling in that way to, to, to create the separation or the branding. So that was great. I'm just really happy to learn about that and know more. So yeah, as far as the hiring goes, super cool to, to understand a little bit more about that if you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's all about training your coaches. And so the, my first couple hires of coaches, they've, they went through my program. Like I've coached them. And so I was on my right. own for maybe a year or two before I brought somebody else in. 
And then kind of slowly as they develop relationships with some of the players and they build some trust with the, with the, the families or whoever it is that's, that's paying for it. Um, slowly you can kind of allow them more freedom or, or more uh, leeway to do some things on their own. Um, hiring a manager was probably the best thing that I've done because it allows me to focus on what I'm good at and where my strengths are. My strengths aren't building a calendar or sales. I hate sales. I, I don't totally. like any of that aspect of it. So getting someone to, uh, who likes that stuff, um, to take all that kind of off my plate so I can focus on what it is that I need to, to go on. And, um, I remember like, there's probably a lot of coaches out there and maybe even listening that, uh, are like, I don't know if I have the money to hire that manager. And I would say like, just find a way to do something and just get it done because, when, when you get that done, your time and your mental capacity just opens up tremendously and you'll, you'll find that money because you're, you're no longer stressed about, Oh shit, I got to send an invoice to this guy, or I got to schedule this person. Yeah. You, you can focus on making players better. Cause at the end of the day, that's our job as a coach is to make the players better. And sometimes it might be watching film. It might be reading, um, I, I read books that, that have nothing to do with hockey, but have to do with maybe communication, leadership, um, you know, th things like that, uh, skill development, skill acquisition. Um, and it's just the conversations that I'm able to have with players or parents. Another person in my field might not be able to have a similar conversation because they haven't read anything about that. And so that makes me more unique and that makes me better. And uh, my time is spent on that. And I, you can get a manager focusing on you know, the business side and, and helping with uh, all the administrative work. No, it couldn't, it couldn't be a better response to everything <laughs> that that's all the same stuff that I would preach as well. And for a lot of coaches out there that maybe can't afford it, this is the same advice I give to other technology founders as well. I just was talking to one a couple of days ago. And I'll just look at it a very large scheme of things. If you're a technology founder, you've got this really cool piece of tech and you want to raise some money, let's say, like most people try to pull off in the tech space. Venture capitalists or private equity groups aren't going to usually invest in one person because that one person can't cover all the bases. It's not the beginnings of a real business. And it's the same in coaching. If you're just all by yourself, there's only so far you can go. But if you bring someone in as, an, as a co-founder or a partner, or in your case, you know, the language would be a manager to help you run the business side of things, that's absolutely where you need to go so that you can bring on more coaches, bring on more clients, and you're more efficient. It's all music to my ears. So I'm really, really happy to hear that's been the evolution for you. And I think it's great advice for anybody listening. So let's, or just let's talk a little lifestyle. bit. Just yeah, go, continue on that. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you can't afford it, I mean, you, you don't need to pay someone a million dollars right off the bat. Like look, figure out what an entry level position may or may not be. And, uh, my first, uh, manager was someone fresh out of university in a sport management program, um, or a rec management program. And they were looking for an opportunity. I was looking for an opportunity. We were able to come out up with a deal. And when, you just adjust your lifestyle. If you don't have, have the money, like you can easily save a little bit money on, you know, maybe not as driving a nice of cars you, you think that you need to, or not going out to eat or to the bar, spending all your money on, on that kind of stuff and save up for a few months. And then maybe you have a little chunk of change where you're like, okay, I'm going to make this investment 
into my business to pay this money to a manager instead of to the bar or wherever you're spending your money, yeah. your, your extra expensive clothes or whatever it is that you need. I'm going to invest this money into my business to bring in someone who is going to free me up to do what I do best, which is going to bring in more revenue and, and look at it that way too. So like tra- I would just track your, track your expenses for like where all your dollars are going and you, you, you should be able to, if you're a decent coach, you should be able to free up, you know, a little bit of money that uh, you can pay someone. It can start part-time for them as well. There might even be, say you're a tennis instructor or another hockey coach or, or whatever. You might have a family where there's uh, a stay-at-home mom or dad that's that's looking for something to do part-time. They, that you might really get along with them and they might love doing that kind of stuff. And they might only want to work for, you know, four or five, 10 hours a week. And that might be all you need at, at the start to get you going. And then after that, you just kind of go from there. Yeah. Epic advice. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be full time. It could be contract. In some cases, I'm not saying this is the exact example, but there's lots of people all over the world that are looking for jobs that you can easily afford that may be able to take care of some of your admin work. I know we leverage the global workforce in that way for certain roles. There's no reason why you can't as well. So I'm curious, as your business has expanded, you're bringing people on, you're bringing up some some absolute gold for anybody listening to this. How did you stumble into Coach Now? When did you join us? And kind of how has it been? Because I'm always curious when a new sport really takes off and hockey seems to be really growing for us. And I can can see why, uh, but it might not be as obvious to some people why. Um, good question. I don't even know how long, maybe like three, four years. Like I said, time, I, I just kind of get up and try and do what I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't know. Um, I've had in the past, I've had people asking, um, to do like personal video with them and I could just never wrap my head around how I can get it actually done. Um, you know, back in the, back in the old days when I was playing, it was like, it was so hard to get video. Like you had to do like a VHS or you had to get something on a DVD and then, okay, how do I get it from this DVD film? How do I get it to something? And it just never made sense to me or like, I I was never like technologically proficient enough to kind of figure that out. And then I guess iPhones and iMovie and all of the recording kind of came and I figured, figured that out. And then um, I probably just Googled it like, I, or YouTubed it or something. And it, I, Coach Now came up and I looked into it and I was like, oh, this sounds exactly what I need. Forget who I messaged, if it was you or someone else. And we, we had a conversation about about the platform and it just sounded perfect. And uh, yeah, it's been, I, I think I immediately bought like three or four subscriptions, something like that. And then, yeah, we've kind of never, never looked back on it. That's awesome. And I, as you, as your business has evolved, as our technologies evolved, right? I'm curious, especially for those that might be listening in hockey, what would maybe be kind of a coach now best practice that you've discovered or adopted or kind of what's your, what's really the the thing that's driving the value for you and your team? I'm big on habits. And so to me, it's just, it might not be the answer you're looking for, but it's just like the habit of actually using it. Like you can have the best trainer in the world. That's the best best advice you could give. 
You can have the best nutrition program in the world. You could have, yeah. but you actually have to do it. So for me, it's just a habit to be on there every day and uh, make sure that, you know, we don't have like a rule where you have to reply within this time, but it's like 24 hours, get back within that, get back someone. Sometimes, yeah. um, you know, it's instant where, where I get back to someone, but you just actually have to do it. Recently, this year has been the voice notes I've used um, the most. Mm. Um, so, so I found, and, and I kind of just, this is just my years of learning and dealing with stuff. I, I don't do a lot of emails anymore. Emails just take way too much time. And, you know, you can't tell tone, you can't tell, uh, you know, like sarcasm, anything like that. It's just, I found it took way too long for me to like type an email and you're like, oh, this doesn't sound good. Delete, 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 delete. Or like, how's my grammar? Delete, delete, delete. So instead of me, like after I watch a game, if I'm there live or, or a practice session or whatever it is, instead of me like typing it out, boom, I just voice note it, tell them exactly what I'm seeing or thinking and then boom, done. It's like a two minute voice, two minute voice note. That might've been a 20 minute email. And so that, that's been the best thing for me recently. But I mean, we use all the functions. I, I love the, what's it called? Um, annotations. I love yep. all that stuff, how, how I can voice over everything on there. It's, uh, that's all fantastic too. The voice notes is, is I'd say an underutilized feature, to be honest. And, and our power users like yourself see the value. There's a, a great interview I did with a guy named Matt Scorinch, who's a surfing coach in New Zealand. He uses voice notes constantly. I use them as well because I, I totally agree. It's a lot, well, one, it's a lot easier. And then two, you can convey the message with all the tone and the excitement or critiques, whatever you might want to do, but you don't really have to go in and edit it and refine it. You just send it and people get it and they enjoy it. Because a lot of any successful business, as you well know, is just showing that you're paying attention, showing that you care. Yeah. let alone helping people to get better. But a lot of it's just showing that you actually care about them. Yeah. And, and tone is a bit like if, if someone had a bad yeah. game, like it's, it's, you know, hard to write that email. Hey, it wasn't a very good game today. Like a lot of the people that are in our program, they take what we say to heart, you know, and it's like, I, as a coach, you have to let them know that, that you didn't play very well. But like when I'm talking to them and they can hear my tone, that's like, Hey, get over it. We'll get it next time. Everyone's going to have a bad game, but yeah. you write that down and it just look, it doesn't look good, you know, and you don't want to make someone feel like too bad, but uh, yeah. So the voice notes have been awesome this year for, for me. So it sounds like evolution hockey at its core is mostly focused on junior athletes that then have aspirations to play college and professional. And then you as an individual, maybe some of your coaches individually are working with college players and professionals kind of on the side. Is that kind of the breakdown yeah, or is we, it a little bit different than that? Yeah, we have, I mean, NHL all the way down to grassroots. Um, yeah. The athletes on our coach now platform, I think would be the youngest would be 12, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, yep. Oldest would be, I don't even know, 35. So nice. anywhere in between there for coach now, but for yeah. the actual, for like our actual program would be as young as five, all the way up to wow. like coaches or however, yeah. coach. however old the coach is, maybe 50 years old. I don't know. <laughs> uh, one thing that always comes up, we have coaches always asking us around business models, pricing, 
how do you structure it? What are you doing? So you can be as open or as vague as you want to be. It's totally fine. But curious kind of how you're structuring the programming that you're then offering to the parents, let's say. And what kind of minimal commitment are you setting up? How often are you meeting with the, with the small group of kids or the individuals? Just anything you can share around the programming and how you structured it financially would be super helpful for people. Mm, that's um, yeah. Tough question. It's like pricing this. We, this is all like, this is a value-based program. Uh, and so it's like mm -hmm. the value that we can associate with this player being able to get feedback from people in our company or, or myself. Um, so we, we value ourselves fairly high compared to what a lot of the other people in our industry can do. Um, so I, I shouldn't say high. I should say like, there's, there's a lot of value associated with, with what we do. There's people that will charge more. Um, it, it's also not a cheap program because it does take a lot of time. So for example, a hockey game is three 20 minute periods. Um, you know, that's, that's an hour right there. By the time you drive there, um, there's a flood between each period, which takes roughly 15 minutes. So like a hockey game is about three hours. By the time you, wow. you drive there, you, okay. you're there for the whole game, you do the game. So when you're trying to figure out, okay, like I could be on the ice coaching for three hours or I could be doing a game for you. So um, it, it is, it's not a cheap program, but this is a, this is a program um, where people, you know, they, they want more value for, they want individual feedback, like a coach on a hockey team, they might have 17 different kids that they're worried about plus their parents. So like, that's a lot of different personalities that that coach oh, yeah. has to try and coordinate. And so the individual feedback that a coach gives is, is not very high or frequent if, if that, and that's not to knock any volunteer coach. They're, they're trying the best that they can. Their jobs are very difficult. They're just surviving in some ways. So I get it. Provided, but, but there's a lot of people out there that have very high goals that like my son or daughter absolutely loves hockey. They are very good at it. They work their ass off at it. Like, how can I do anything that I can to help them get to that next level? They're not getting feedback from the coach. You know, what can we do? And we kind of look at, okay, like this is, you know, this is what our time is going to be worth. This is um, the amount of, um, the amount of games that I'm going to come to. This is the amount of okay. time that I'm going to see you in a calendar year. Um, this is the overall cost of the program. And you, you kind of break it down that way. Um, factor in a little bit of, so gas, are you charging, factor. are you charging annually or monthly? How do you, yeah, just so as a blanket, it's an, payment, annual, it an annual. Yeah. We don't want to have, cool. um, we don't want to have anything, uh, that's, um, you know, like here or there, it just becomes too much to, mm -hmm. it just becomes too much to like handle and have to worry about the, like the resales of a prop, like, Oh, your two pack totally. is done. Can you want to do uh, another two pack? Hate like, that. You're, you're <laughs> in or you're out. And uh, here's, here's the year. And we offer payment plans that like whatever you need um, help with, we'll, we'll help you with it. But just, this is, this is what our time is going to be worth. And it's not just, me on it. We have multiple coaches working. So we might have someone that goes to the game, does a little bit of filming, watches, watches the clips, gives some feedback, and then 
interacts with me or our other skills coach. So then when that player finishes their game, they might have a session with us a couple days later and we work on some of those things um, that they were lacking or, or whatever it was in, in their game. And so there's multiple people on, on this program. We also give them um, discounts on kind of our, our smaller group program. So people get, I think, 25% mm-hmm. off um, every, everything because they're going to be in our programs regardless. So we want to give them a deal. Um, and uh, we also have uh, one of the facilities that we work out of, we build in a membership to their mm-hmm. um, fees so they can go and they can they can go to open ice whenever they want. They can go swimming, workout, play tennis, squash. They can the facility that we run this out of, um, they, they have multiple different sports. So we tack on that and to their, to their fees as well. So they're really, we try and associate a lot of value to it. And when I was, uh, my degrees in psychology, I have a minor in business. And after, um, a couple of years of being in the gym training guys, I went on and did a, a mental game certification with Dr. Patrick Cohn out of Florida. Um, knowing that one day I need this because, uh, the mental side of it is just so critical. And so um, one of the things that we see a lot is like, oh, I'm lacking confidence or, oh, I just, I don't seem to be able to transfer what I can do in practice into a game. And a lot of it is mental. And so this year I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, whether it's voice notes, talking in person, anything like that with the people that are in our mentorship program, um, really help strengthening their their mental game and bring awareness to their mental game so there's a lot of different elements we probably should be charging more than than what we're charging but at the end of the day like we don't want to price anyone out of this either like we want to make sure that um you know these these people aren't just like these athletes are great athletes they're not just someone who can afford it and you know mom or dad just wants them in it like these are all great athletes and we want to do every like we care so we want to do everything that we can to help them get better. But at the same time, like we can't do this for free either. Um, so like generally our mentorship program would be anywhere from like 5,000 to $25,000 a year, depending on you know yep. the, the amount of games, the amount of one-on-ones, the amount of all of that. And ice time as well is, uh, is an expense in hockey. That's probably not similar in like a, like a tennis or, or golf or soccer or something like that. So ice time is not cheap either. No, I mean, it's just, yeah, golf, getting on the course costs something. Tennis courts aren't available all the time, so you're exactly right. The model fits pretty much anything, and that's what we advocate for as best as we can is annual coaching programs. Yeah. Because to your point, yeah, do I want to spend the last part of every month trying to make sure you're coming back on for the next thing or selling the next lesson? Absolutely not. What do you want to focus on? Coaching, getting people better. And then when it Mm -hmm. comes to the annual review – if you and your team, as you obviously are using coach now, it's pretty easy to point at the progress, point at the communication, go, hey, this is all the things we've accomplished this year. Isn't this great? And then it's pretty much a no brainer to continue on. And mm-hmm. the word you said a bunch of times, which is so important for anybody that's listening to this is value, 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 value. That That is the what you lean into. And I can imagine, although you probably don't have to do a lot of sales, as you've said, kids are coming to you, they're inquiring about the program or the parents are, you're going to point to the results that a lot of the kids in the program have gotten thus far. You're going to point to how different the coaching and communication style is, the access to the facilities. I mean, there's a long list. If you're just to bullet it out, it's, it's probably a giant list of, of value yeah. 
that I got to imagine most people in your field or in your area at least aren't competing with. Like you guys, I'm assuming stand way out, right? With what you're offering. It's a pretty unique offering. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And it's the, it's the same exact offering or, or packaging that I would recommend any coach do in any sport all around the world. So I'm super happy to hear that you guys are, are doing that. You found your way into it, obviously, through your leadership, which has been really cool. Looking throughout your career, this is one of the questions I, I usually like to ask. And maybe because you're mentoring so many new coaches, if we're talking about the business side of things, not necessarily the, the hockey-specific skill sides, because that's so specific, any advice that you might give to a younger self, uh, a younger version of you or a, or a new coach out there kind of across any sport? You've given some good stuff already, but just kind of curious if anything else stands out that, that somebody kind of newer in the industry should know about. Um, really, it's not that – I don't think it's that complicated. You just got to work hard. You just – and, I mean, that's uh, – I mean, anyone can say that, but, like, you got to be willing to – you got to be willing to put in the time and the work to get better and – regardless of what your paycheck is going to look like. Like nobody forces me to get up at four forty in the morning. It's just something I, I've built the habit of like, if I want to continue to get ahead of the competition, if you may, or if I want to continue to get ahead or if I want to continue to advance myself, I'm going to have to do things that, you know, not a lot of people are willing to do. And if you can aggregate that over weeks, months, years, that's a lot of good stuff that's coming your way and um, you have to have good morals and values and just work hard and build good habits for yourself. Um, that would be my best advice. I just like building good habits. Like what's your day looking like? Like how much time are you putting into yourself becoming a better coach? And what are the things that you can do to become a better coach? How many coaching conferences are you going to per year? How many books are you reading per year? How often do you do things for free to like just, and I don't want to say like, like free, like how often are you like just going above and beyond to help somebody get better? And that right. makes, makes you a better coach and word travels. But if you're just someone who shows up, your session's at seven o'clock, you show up at 6.55, you get out there, you do your hour session, you're out of there. I mean, it's probably not going to work out for you. <laughs> Um, so like, totally. what are you, what are you, willing, what are you willing to do, um, to, you know, to be the coach that you want one day? Well, you're the coach's coach. I can absolutely tell that. And it, it really shines through not only in this conversation, but just even how you guys are presenting the business as a whole. So that that's huge when it comes to kind of planning your day out, you've got your rhythm and routines, but is there, let's say you're going to be doing some coaching on Monday. Well, let me, let me back up. How many days a week are you coaching? Cause I know you're coaching kids. So there's gotta be a day or two, maybe Monday, Tuesday where you're not. And then you're coaching the rest of the week. How does, how does your week lay out? Yeah, it's kind of different for each season. Um, so in, okay. in our kind of world, we have three seasons, winter, spring, and summer. Um, right now I'm, I'm not on the ice on Tuesdays. Uh, I have, uh, or f I have lighter days, uh, right now um come springtime it's more condensed days on the ice so it would be like instead of doing like uh, a before school session and then an immediately after school session it might just be all after school 
Um, I'd say on average, anywhere from six to 15 hours of ice a week, I would be coaching mm-hmm. so, somewhere in around there, um, kind of depending on the time of the year. There's times of years where it's, it's really busy you're on the ice, six, eight hours a day, um, like right before hockey season. Um, so it is, it is always a little bit different, but it's, um, it's something that we're trying to get me out of a little bit more because I need to program and I need to plan a little bit yeah. more, even though like I would rather just be on the ice coaching. Um, that's what really kind of fills up my tanks. Um, but also being able to just get shit done for our coaches, our players, whether it's on the computer or, um, just sending video, clipping video, things like that, that just makes our program yeah. better. And uh, our managers need my time as well because they need some direction and they have, they have questions. And I don't say that in a negative way whatsoever because we need to collaborate and we need to be on the same page. Um, and if you know things don't run smoothly for that, then at the end of the day, the program suffers for the kids. So it's uh, it, my time's kind of spread between you know those those things. How often are you guys having like an all hands meeting where you're bringing all the coaches, everybody together? Is that something that you guys make a habit of or is it more kind of smaller meetings and kind of on the fly movements to get things done? Just kind of curious how the management is going for you guys. It's more so on the fly. Um, I would love to do, I would love to do um, more team stuff, like all of us together. But just the way that hockey season is and our different schedules, and we have some people at this facility, some people at this facility, some people at this school, when, um, you know, group A is kind of working on the ice, group B is kind of off the ice planning, prepping, and then it kind of, so it's just yeah. everyone's schedules are so all over the map to, to fulfill the programs that we're running. It's hard to get everybody together, but we will at the um, start and end of every season. So end of winter, end of mm. spring, end of summer, we'll, we'll all get together. We'll grab some lunch and we'll get, get some yeah, lunch catered in. We'll have like the whole afternoon we'll spend together and just kind of debrief plan, hang out, talk about what went well, what didn't go well. Our uh, management team is making notes on everything. Um, so that when they're planning the next year's programs, we can decide Okay, these guys went on Monday last year. They didn't like it for these reasons. We Tuesday would be better, or or whatever the the case may be. How how can we make our program better? That's what we're always trying to do. Um, but we have a like I'm sure like everybody we have a group text that uh, mm-hmm. you know we share share things on. We might just have a coach's group chat because like our management doesn't need to see like someone's move that they that they pulled last night. They don't need to see any of that. Um, so we'll just have like little subgroups and I know our managers meet with kind of each program head. Um, you know, there's no set day, like biweekly or monthly that they check in with them and see what we need to adapt or progress or how things are going. Um, I'm not always involved in those. I let our management team kind of lead and head, head those up. Um, I don't need to micromanage any of that kind of stuff, but, uh, yeah, that would, that would be kind of what we do. Well, I think that's more than most as far as an all hands meeting. It's because it, that's once a season. You could almost say that's once a quarter in a way. And that's something that I'm always trying to advocate for is at least once a quarter, get your team together, 
try to figure out what's going on, what's going well, what you can improve, do some forecasting. Even if you're an individual coach, you should be doing that at least a little bit. And then obviously on the fly, well, you if you're stay, an, stay on if you're top an of things. Coach, yeah. I would say, sorry, if you're an individual coach, no, I'd ahead. say like if, if it's the quarter or half year, like what, what coaching conferences are you going to like, how are you getting better? Like collaborate with other people. If you don't have a team to yeah. do that with, like you like get out of your comfort zone and knock on some doors or send some emails and say, Hey, can I come watch you coach? Or can I come learn from you? Or what do you got going on? Can I come help out or whatever? You're going to pick something up. I guarantee it. Whether it's something that you really like, and sometimes it's more important to pick something up that you really don't like. I would never do what this coach does. And I'm glad that I saw yeah. it so that I know never to make that mistake. So yeah, like there's not a single coaching thing that I've ever gone to where I haven't come out of there with value. Yeah. Mentorship, growth mindset, all of these things are so crucial. We, we advocate it for our athletes often, but a lot of times coaches lose the zest for learning and improvement yeah. and, and just growing. Right. And that's a, yeah. you've hit on that a number of times and it's clear that's why you're so successful is because of that. Um, one point that we haven't hit that does come up quite often, and you've you've mentioned you've gotten relationships with numerous facilities. One of the common questions is, how do I build a relationship with a facility? What's kind of the exchange? Am I renting? Am I giving them a percentage of the income that I bring? Again, you don't have to speak to numbers, but more just structures. What have you found that maybe didn't work previously and maybe he's working really well now or some of the troubles or, or successes you've run into when, when negotiating and building relationships with facilities. It's been pretty, pretty easy for us. Like we, we just rent. So, um, okay. Yeah. We just rent, rent, right. Uh, rent ice contracts. And, uh, I mean, again, just being a good person, uh, you know, we get back, we get back to people like on time, like there's no, if we get an email from one of our facilities, like, like we're on it, we're not waiting a week to get back. Like we're on it. So it's timely. Um, you know, the, the facility staff, like we treat them like they're a human, like not like, the, not like they're garbage or below us or anything. Like we're just, I, I think we all handle ourselves. Like we're, we're good people and we're, we're part of, you know, something bigger and we want to treat people with respect. And uh, I think every facility that we're, we're in, I think really enjoys having us there because um, yeah, we were positive people and we were there to help people get better. And um, the other thing is like we pay on time or early, <laughs> like we make sure you pay your bills. Yeah. That's, that's critical as well. So um, any facility, they, they never have a problem getting their money or anything like that. We're very like, what do you need? We'll pay it. Let's go. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's basically, that's basically it. So, I mean, I think it all just comes down to just be a good person. That's, that's really what it comes down to be a good person, try and get better. And <laughs> yeah. Really and do those, easy. do those ice contracts, do they boil down to how many kids are on the ice at once? Or you're just saying, Hey, I've got the ice. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. No, no. It, it's always like anyone can go like the ice, uh, an hour of ice is anywhere from like two to three hundred dollars, so okay. anyone can just go and book an hour of ice. And so, got it. It doesn't matter if you have four hundred people on the ice or one person on the ice. It's it's two to three hundred dollars. Everyone's a little bit different. Time of day is a little bit different, but sure. uh, you know that's that's generally what a, like a prime time 
ice time would cost. Hmm. And so you just, you, we just pretty simple then. Yeah. You don't have to give simple. them who's showing up or anything. You just get the ice and go. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, as we, as we kind of get close to wrapping up when, as I'm hearing this, as I'm kind of recapping this in, in my own mind, growth mindset, getting up each and every day, trying to deliver value, annual programming. A lot of your hiring has come from people that you've trained through your system and then they've gone off and come back, which I think is a real repeatable cycle for a lot of coaches that work with younger athletes that go off and then come back. I think that's really simple and easy. Being a good person, I think is absolutely uh, as silly as it, or as obvious as it might sound, it, it does get lost. I, I can't tell you how many kids I've coached where their previous coach made, I said, hey, why'd you come to me? Well, my previous coach always made me cry. Huh. What? Yeah. How, yeah. how did you go to more than one thing with this person that made you cry? How long did you see them? Oh, for a year. What? So a lot does get lost, especially in junior athletics, when it comes to just being a decent person. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard, but shockingly, it, it seemingly is. Mm -hmm. But as we, as we kind of get close to wrapping up, anything that we may have forgotten or that you've wanted, that you want to make sure this kind of gets out there to the coaches and trainers that are listening to this, that are, they're at all different levels of career, but just kind of curious if there's anything else we might have left out. No, I think just, you know, love what you do and do it to the best of your ability and always find ways to get yourself better because nobody knows everything. And if you have that mindset as a coach, you're going to be able to get more buy-in from, from whoever it is that you're coaching. And yeah. you never know that what you say to that player or their parent, you never know how big of an impact it may have on whether they come back to you or whether they... Um, continue to get better. And so if we're always learning as coaches and um, able to teach them new things all the time and uh, being a good person and getting to know your, your customers really well, um, a lot of good things can happen. And if you're focused on money or you're focused on fame or anything like that, you're, you're in coaching for the wrong reasons. And um, that'll come through and that'll show uh, why you're there. And uh, that's a, probably a quick reason why people will leave your program. Great advice. And I think those passing comments that we make to juniors and to their parents, who it might feel very insignificant to us, but can, yeah, can hold a lot of impact. I remember when I was a kid playing, I met a coach who, was supposedly this great person he's like well if you're in this position i've never seen somebody play good from this position and that stuck with me and it really ruined me for a while because i was playing well from that position so what 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 do you know so it's really really important that you you take those comments to heart and you're very serious and thoughtful about how you do it so really appreciate that there's wow. um i guess like coaching like figure out what your coaching style is or your philosophy like yeah. there's I kind of look at it as a continuum and uh, you can be like a yeller, a teller, a teacher, a collaborator, mm. a facilitator, and kind of figure out where you fall on that continuum. And I, I feel like where I've started, it was more of a, like coming in hot of like yelling and telling like, and then as I started to progress my coaching skills, I'm like way more of a, just a facilitator and a, collaborator now with with a lot of the athletes because one thing that i think 
a lot of us have to remember as coaches is that the game is so easy from our chair <laughs> when you're watching it, but it's the, in the moment when they're making these split second decisions and plays and highly technical skills, oftentimes they're probably smarter and better than we are. And we have to remember that they're fantastic athletes and that they have a lot of knowledge and they have a lot of insight. And if we can help guide them, I think that's more important than telling them what to do. And so figuring out like what your coaching style is and what makes you really good. And I think the, the, I don't want to say the quicker, but when you can get to that point where you're more of a teacher, a collaborator and a facilitator rather than like a yeller or a teller, um, I, I think you're going to be far better off as a, as a coach and, and that's going to help your business as well. Absolutely. And I, and we say it like this here at coach. Now it's like the difference between directive feedback and calibrative feedback. Cause in the beginning of every coaching relationship, there's this direction they're coming to you for all the advice, right? And they don't really know where to go, but over time, the more that you can empower them and give them what they need to be successful, then you're just kind of calibrating the efforts along the way because they have the baseline understanding and you're calibrating, collaborating, as you've put it, you're facilitating. And once you reach that level, you're also able to have a, a much larger business because you're not holding the hands of each and every athlete. You're empowering them and then just giving them the feedback that they need to be successful. So yeah, I, I love, I love the way you put it. And that's the mark of a really, I think, solid coach and a great business too. Nice. Thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, Riley, this has been awesome. So much gold. I know Emily here and Jerem who are listening in probably marked down a lot. Uh, so yeah, just thanks again for taking the time. Thanks for being a coach now, power user. And, and just really, I'm, I'm grateful that we get to support you guys. And I hope that we could continue to do that and help you grow your business and deliver value like you guys are doing so well. So thanks again. Cool. No, thank you guys. You have an awesome platform and program. Really uh, grateful that it's there for, for us to use and to help people.